this morning. Well, what a wonderful day God's created for us to be here today. I'm going to trip over this dude before the day's over. Um, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. If you would, please bow your heads with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, um, we're thankful today for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. I'm thankful to gather with family and friends, Lord. I just pray today, Lord, that we would be changed by you and your spirit, Lord. I just pray that you would pour out your spirit on this place. God, I pray that uh, hearts and minds would be softened and changed today, Lord, all according to your glory and your purpose. God, there's a lot of heavy things that are coming up this week, Lord, as we um, vote a commander-in-chief as president of our country. Lord, I just pray that you'd be at that election. Uh, Lord, I pray that your will would be done in every situation, Lord, according to your purpose. Lord, I just pray that you be with our country. Uh, Lord, whatever the result is, God, that you would be with your people, your sons and daughters, Lord, that uh, we would uphold your word, Lord, no matter what happens. God, that we would stand steadfast in our faith, not willing to back down, not willing to negotiate. God, that you would give us the strength, honor, and courage to stand. God, help us choose wisely. Lord, this doesn't only affect us now, but it affects our children to come up after us. God, I just pray for your hand to be on our country over this next week. Lord, I pray for the lost. Lord, the ones that don't know you. That said, either in church this morning or at home or on the streets or wherever they're sitting, Lord, that you might convict their heart this morning. Lord, that you might put a spirit inside of them that won't let go of them, Lord, until they give in to you. God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't made a decision for you yet today, Lord, that today would be that day. Lord, that they would give their hearts fully to you today. Lord, be with us as we get into your word. Lord, that I would only be a tool up here. Lord, that these would be your words. That this would be a, a thought for this congregation, Lord, for this body of people of believers. Lord, as I stand in front of them, Lord, that your spirit would just flow in through me and out to them. God, that I wouldn't say one more thing or one thing less than you would have me say. God, push me aside. Change us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I won't get into the politics this morning, but I will say this. There is a right and a wrong way to vote. And you need to vote according to what God's word says. Um, I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. You guys got off easy last week. The people that were here, I was only in one spot. Not this week. God has purpose on us. We're called to make a difference. Colossians 1.16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, 
but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I want you to know this morning that if you are standing in the Lord's name, if you have accepted Christ as Savior, you have purpose for your life. God has given you purpose. You have a job to do. But I want to ask you this morning, as I got to thinking last week, two weeks ago, it seems like forever ago, I don't, man, this week's been hectic. Um, I was sitting, eating a waffle at a hotel in St. Charles, Missouri, um, attending a conference with, I think they said like, I don't know, 600 other pastors, preachers, church representatives. And there was a lady at the desk, and there was a lady keeping the continental breakfast that I was eating filled and things of that nature. And I thought, man, if there are 600 people in St. Charles, Missouri this morning serving the Lord at full capacity, when we leave here today, this city should be changed a little bit. Amen? You're talking about 600 church leaders, devout men and women of God, so they claim if they're all in one spot with the same purpose and the same goal in mind, wouldn't you think that that place would be changed because they were there? I mean, if they're doing what God calls us to do and tells us to do, every hotel cleaner, continental breakfast worker, retail clerk at every store should have heard something about the Lord God Almighty in those two days, right? I mean, is that just me? We weren't just there for a convention, right? It's just not leaders of the church that are called to do these things. But everywhere you should go, people should be able to say, you know what? I think that old chap right there believes in God. Well, how do you know that? Well, because he's just talking to me about him and told me he did. <laughs> I was just thinking, you get 600 devoted Christians in one spot, that spot should never be the same as it once was before they got there. Now, I haven't heard anything on the news or anything about that, like St. Charles, but as I was sitting there, this lady had passed me by a couple times, I thought, I haven't said a word. I haven't said a word because I drove there fast enough to get there, because I left the house at like 3.45 in the morning to get there to start. And I was going so fast, to get to a convention that I forgot about my, what my true purpose was. And I hope, I hope that I'm the only one that did that while I was there. Because that convention wasn't our purpose. That convention was to conduct business on behalf of God's churches and an organization, but the people's hearts and minds should have been our one and number one reason for being there, right? Because they were, what did Jesus come for? Came to heal the sick, save the lost, right? Leaves the 99 to go to the one. Every person that came for that conference, I hope, had an effect on somebody's life while they were there. Now, I had a conversation with the lady that was keeping up the continental breakfast and the lady at the desk when checked in, and I left a note for the maid on my nightstand when I left. Because the Lord convicted me that I was there for a conference 
And what are you doing? You're not here for a conference. You're here to change people's lives. And it just hit me as I was eating my waffle. But the conference wasn't my objective. The conference is never your objective. The church service is never your objective. The show is never your objective. The people are your objective. The lost are your objective. The down are your objective. The poor of spirit, the poor of heart, the depressed, the sick, the sad. Those are the objective. It's great to be here on Sunday morning, and God has truly blessed us with a great place to be in worship. But if you passed a person on the side of the road so you could get here on time, you passed up your purpose. You passed up your true objective, and that's to make a difference in the world outside of this building, right? So when we start in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19, something has to come first before you can be effectively changed the world outside. Hebrews 10, starting in 19, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Jesus Christ came and died on that cross and shed his blood to give us a new living way to enter the presence of God. Amen? Amen. So that we could enter him boldly now to seek him in all fullness, the things that he would have for us. Because the veil was torn. Used to, you had to send a messenger in, the one that could get past the veil. Because it was a holy room, a holy place, and only certain people could go in there. So you didn't get to approach the throne of God. You sent somebody that they might approach God for you. Man, I am happy to say today that I get to approach the throne of God boldly on my own. I get to talk to him and have him show me things that I never thought I could see in my life. But it's through the blood of Christ we get to enter his holiness. In verse 22, this is where it starts. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, one thing that we have to do is we have to be changed in here to change a world out there. Right? Because that world out there, if you're not changed in here, it will chew you up and it will spit you out and not care a bit about it. And if you try to get back up, it'll do the same thing. Why? Because it does not care about you. It does not care about you. God is the one that cares for you. The family of Christ is the one that cares for you. We're here today because we care about one another. We want to seek God that's what he says. Seek me with the true heart. Let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of our faith. Seek him first. We've got to draw near to God first. You've got to have a personal relationship with God first and foremost. And you better be close to him because when you step out there, Satan's going to be like, Wash out. He's coming after you. He's going to come try to bust your kneecaps, take you down. That's what he's going to do. And he's going to use anything that he can. What's your weakness? 
If you don't know what it is, you'll find out pretty fast. Because Satan knows it. Satan knows your weakness, and he's going to use it to exploit you in any way possible. But guess what? That's why we suit up with the armor of God. And we have access to the armor of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. First and foremost is a personal relationship with God. It says in verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Do you remember that day when you professed your faith? Those of you that are children of the king, do you remember the day that you professed your faith? There's nobody, no one, no thing that could have taken you down that day because that day was your day and you proclaimed to have a relationship with God Almighty, your creator, and there was nothing that could have deterred you from that from that day, right? In the book of Psalms, David says, take me back to that day. I need to be reminded of that day because I need some strength and I need some joy and I need some happiness, right? Amen. Take me back to that day because that day I knew. That day I knew I heard God's voice because he called me from on high. He called me by name. He said, I know you. I want you. Child, come back to me. And that day you said yes. You said, Father, I am all yours. I am your child as long as the day is long. And as long as my life, I turn my life to you, I want you to control it. I want you to command it because you're not just my God. You're Lord God, controller of my life as well now. Because I give you everything I have, even my life. Take it as you will. Purpose me as you will, right? So let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Remember that day. Hold on to those accounts. Make a journal. Kenny hates when I say that. It makes a difference. When God answers a prayer, write it down. And then when you're struggling, God doesn't hear me. God, I can't feel God's presence in my life. I'm in a rut. I need to get out of this thing. You can flip back to where you wrote down where God has answered your prayers and God has heard you. And in that moment, he might pull you out. Because he's there always. We just got to remember that he's there. God is good always. We just have to be reminded sometimes that he is good always. Right? We can do that. I love it when my kids pray for something so simple and they come in and like, Dad, Dad, God answered my prayer. He heard me. Yes, God does that. He reassures his little children. And what a blessing it is. And don't think you've grown up out of that blessing. It doesn't matter if you're 7 or 70. God still calls you his little child. What a blessing that is. Remember those times so that we can suit up and we can put on the armor of God and we can remember what we're fighting for. What are we fighting for? We're fighting for lost souls. We're fighting that people might have the same kind of confidence that they might be able to stand and hold fast to their profession today. Because we want them to choose God and we want them to choose God because of something that we have done, that we've accepted Christ, and we were such a reflection of Christ that guess what? Now they want to accept Christ. Amen? 
we have purpose. We're to have these conversations. We're to have these talks. In verse 24 it says, And let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. It says the time is now, right? So the day is approaching. When is that day approaching this afternoon? I don't know. You willing to chance it? I'll have that conversation with that dude tomorrow. We get it tomorrow? You're going to promise him he'll get it tomorrow? That's not something I'm willing to bet on. If God is calling you and purposing you to have a conversation with someone, you better go have that conversation. Because tomorrow might be too late. Because today is the day we make a difference. Today is the day we stand. Today is the day we rise. Because tomorrow might not come to be today. That's why today is the day that we do it. Go to Acts 2. I love Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 37. I love that. I wish I could have been here, man. I, I love this part of Acts. I wish I could have been there. I can just read and you can feel the spirit of everybody that was there that day, right? The day of Pentecost. Oh, man, what a day that had been. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 37. It says, now when they heard this, we're talking about Peter's sermon. Peter just gave a sermon. It says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Have you ever in your life made a statement or a speech where you got a group of people just to ask you, all right, I'm in for whatever, what do we do now? And they're looking at you. Anybody? Me neither. <laughs> but what a day. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, gave this sermon, was talking to the lost. And it was so spirit-filled that they said, I'm in for whatever you tell us to do. You've just got to tell us what to do because we're in. Man. To be so convincing, right? To be so spirit-filled that it doesn't even matter what you tell them to do next, that they're in for whatever you tell them to do. I don't know what we're going to do, but you've got the answer. I'm coming to you. That's what I want to be known for, right? Such a reflection of God that people seek you out because they know you know what to do next. Wow. That's got a lot. I've got a lot of growing to do if I want to get there. I do. Verse 38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say live like me. He didn't say be everything that I am. Peter said, if you want what I've got, you've got to repent. You've got to turn away from your sin and be baptized. He pointed them directly back to God himself. 
See, Peter wasn't there for his own glory. Peter wasn't there because he was an upstanding citizen. Peter was there because the Holy Spirit sent him there, and Peter had a purpose, and God had purposed his life, and he was there in that moment because God wanted him there in that moment, and those people were there in that moment because God wanted them there in that moment. And guess what? He said, repent of your sin. Be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Whoa. Man, that's what gets me jazzed up. Can you imagine? Because that just says there's 3,000 people there that accepted Christ that day. It didn't say how many were there that had already accepted Christ. It didn't say how many there, because it said after this, it goes on to say that the church was added to daily. So you can imagine the spirit flowing about this place. Day and night, I bet it never stopped. Oh, man. Just think if that happened in Gainesville, Missouri. Just think if that started today. Just think if we started talking about the Word of God and we got so jazzed up that we spilled out into the streets and we kept on talking and we kept on singing and people driving by on 160, they're like, man, what's going on there? We're going to drive by just to see. And they pulled in and they got filled with the Spirit of God and people started giving their life to Christ and the church was being added to. And I'm not talking about First Baptist Church. I'm talking about the Church of God. And it happened all afternoon into the evening. We went through the night and guess what? The next morning, God was still adding children to his family. Amen? Man, I get excited about that stuff, guys. That's real. It happened then, it can happen now. You think that could never happen now. That would never happen now. You get some real men dedicated to do the work of God, and it can sure enough happen now, because my God's not limited by the year 2020. My God is not limited by our time parameters. My God says, give me a few devoted men and see what I can do. Man, I just, thinking about that stuff gives me chills because these things can happen. 3,000 people being baptized in one day. Can you even imagine being in the presence of such an event taking place? I mean, I thought it was great when Peyton got baptized, and then Warren was like, I want to get baptized. That was two, and I was ecstatic, right? I mean, what a great day. The Lord doubled the amount that got baptized that day. Amen? That's what I get excited about. But we don't rejoice like we used to rejoice. We should have partied all afternoon. We should still be celebrating now for the ones that are accepting Christ, right? 
I'll never forget when, when Tony started having headaches and, and her vision started leaving. And the church circled and prayed. And about the time we prayed, her vision got restored to her on the way to Mountain Home. Church, we didn't have a breakout ceremony over that. There were some people in the church body that didn't even know it ever happened. That is a blessing straight from the kingdom of God. I believe in my heart that God healed her that day upon a request of a church family that loved one of their own. I believe it. We've got to start rejoicing in the glories of God. God's children should be some of the most joyful people ever walking around. Why? Because this world is a non-effect on them. Or it should be a non-effect on you. It says, don't forsake the gathering. Why? Because we need each other. Amen. I missed your ugly mugs while we were out of here. And I'm just as ugly as the rest of you. But I missed it. Thanks, Kitty. <laughs> I did, though. You're just a spirit. When you get believers together, man, there's just a spirit. God works through us, for us, for his purpose. Two of my favorite guys in the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. We've got to start walking in a way that the rest of the world wants to know that we, we've got is different. We've got to start walking as a church body in a way that doesn't downgrade other people that don't think like us, but sparks their curiosity to know how we have so much joy and happiness in a world that is being turmoiled, turned upside down, and destroyed. Man, how can you be happy through all of that? How can you be happy through raging people and this election coming up and the coronavirus, and how can you walk around with a smile on your face? And people can read if it's fake or not, guys. People can see if you have true, deep-down, God-given joy in your life. Why? If they're watching you, they watch you in every circumstance. They watch you through the good, they watch you through the bad. And guess what? How you react when things aren't going so great, that's the best reflection of God that you have inside of you that you can ever give. Because it's easy when you're on top of that mountain to reflect the joy and happiness that God gives you. But when you're down in that valley and God's brought you to your knees and you're crying out in the middle of the night because you can't sleep because it hurts so bad, but you get up and you put on the full armor of God and you pick up your cross because that's what he has called you to do. And they see you battling and they don't see you lashing out at other people, but they see you pulling closer and closer to God and they see your light getting brighter and brighter and brighter as you dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And then when you have that breakthrough, because you will, because God says, I'm here with you, we're going to make it to the other side. The waters that you go through will not overtake you. And I'm right here with you. And so when you get to that other mountaintop, people are like, wow, I watched you go through some stuff. I've seen you go through some things that a normal person wouldn't have went through so well. What makes you so different? Ta-da! You have an opportunity to reflect the kingdom of God, right? We want to have opportunities 
to reflect the kingdom of God, but we have to walk in a way that's different to get people to ask us questions. I always tell you guys, the best gift that I have ever gotten from the church is that youth poster that says, we love you, Pastor Mason, and all the youth signed and I framed and it's hanging on my wall in the office at the bank. And I get to talk to more people about the kingdom of God because that piece of signatures is hanging on my wall than any other thing that I have. I've got a Bible that lays in my office and people don't ask me as many questions about it as they do all those signatures of those little kids hanging on my wall. And they want to know why I bank different. They want to know why I would honestly tell them to go somewhere else if it was better for them. They don't understand why I won't consume every piece of business that I can get. Why? Why would you tell me to go somewhere else? Because I want what's best for you. This bank will make it with or without you. But I want what's best for you. Because banking, banking's great. But the kingdom of God is out of this world. And if I get a chance to point towards somebody, towards the kingdom of God, that's what I want to do. I will close my door and I will have a conversation with them. I've prayed with, cried with, got down on my knees with a whole bunch of different people in the office at that bank. Guys, we're talking about on a Wednesday nights. This stuff fits all together. God has us for a purpose. And if you ain't been coming on Wednesday nights, you need to come on Wednesday nights, man. That's what I'm talking about. Because our job isn't our purpose. God's calling is our purpose. Just like Proverbs says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I can plan my day out tomorrow, but guess what? If I get the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, you better clear my schedule. Because that's what I'm going to do. And they can fire me for it. But guess what? I'll go somewhere else that will allow me to do it. Why? Because God has went before me. God has purposed me just like he has purposed you. Whatever you're doing right now currently is a platform for spreading the gospel. And that's something to get excited about. Just like Peter giving the sermon, transforming 3,000 souls in a day. Don't tell me it can't happen today. Because guess what? Peter has the same God then as I do now. And guess what? It wasn't because of Peter. It because my God loves his children and he wishes none to perish. That's what he wishes. You know, there's a song that says, God, why are you allowing all this bad stuff to happen? Why don't you change it? Why can't you make a difference? And he said, I did. I made you. You're the difference maker. You're the one that can change it. Be a reflection of me. Go called according to my purpose, and you can change this world. Just think if God's army assembled together in complete unity, this world wouldn't stand a chance. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Because that's exactly what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. He's going to assemble his troops. And he's going to send the devil packing. Because that's the power that God has. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Elijah knows that he's fixing to die. 
and he has Elisha beside him. It says in verse 8, And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, the waters of the Jordan, that is, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, Get this. I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Man. You got to think about what Elijah has done in his life, right? He made a mockery of the 400 prophets. I mean, you know, went this far. Yell louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. He can't hear you. Here, before I light mine on my fire, I'm going to dump some water on it first. I mean, that's what this did. He did all kinds of things, living a life for God. And then Elisha, being a man called of God himself, realized the power and authority that Elijah had through the Spirit. And he said, you know what? I don't need to be rich. I don't need to be famous. But man, I want double of the Spirit that you have. That's what I want. He wanted to be more godly. He wanted to live a life more devoted to God. He wanted to walk closer to God than Elijah did. Guys, that's a desire that every one of us should have. I want to walk closer tomorrow than I did today. I want to know more about God tomorrow than I do right now. I want to be changed tomorrow from the guy I was yesterday because tomorrow I'm walking closer to God than I ever have before. And guess what? On Tuesday, Tuesday, I'm going to be closer than I was on Monday. And then on Wednesday, guess what? I'm going to be even closer because I want more than what I've got now. I want more of God and what he has for me. And I want to walk closer to him. And I want to walk more like him. And I want to do all the things that he has for me to do. When we get that mindset, then will this world effectually change around us. When we want to be with God. When we want to be like God. Right? We have to be different for somebody to want to be like us. Elijah lived a life that Elisha was like, I want you times two. I want your spirit times two. That's what I want. Verse 10, Elijah talking, and he says, And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Why do you think he said that? Because it wasn't his to give, right? Elijah knew that he was only the man that he was because of the God that lived inside of him. He couldn't give God. He said, You've asked a hard thing for me to do says, Nevertheless, though, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, that shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. What did he do? He pointed right back at God, and he said, If you can see what God is fixing to do, then God has favored you, and God will grant you the gift that you asked for. Because Elijah lived for God. And he knew that he was only the man that he was because of the God inside of him. And he knew the Spirit wasn't his to give, but he knew that God could give a double portion of the Spirit if God wanted to. So he said, if you can see what's fixing to happen to me, God has chosen you, and God will give you 
what you've asked for because you've asked for something that I can't give. Right? So when we talk to people about salvation, we can't give people salvation, right? That's not mine to give. I can tell people how to do it. I can tell people things to say, but they have to say it with their heart. I can't get them there. My blood doesn't do what Jesus Christ's blood did. I'm not the man he was. And I never will be. That's why, like Elijah, we have to point back to the kingdom of God because I want you all to be followers of him and not me. That's why we're to be a reflection. That's when you get these great men that keep pointing back towards the kingdom of God. You think about John the Baptist, and he had multitudes of men following him, but he knew that his sole purpose was to come and proclaim that Jesus Christ was coming after him and that he was Savior, not John the Baptist. He says, I baptize you with water, but he, he'll baptize you by the Spirit. I'm not him. I work for him. I do the things that he has for me to do, but I'm not him. That's what Elijah's saying. You want what I've got, but what I've got is not of me. It's of him. So if you want to be a man like me, then you've got to seek after him. If you want to change this world today, you don't need to be like me. You need to be like him. You don't need the spirit that's inside of me. You need the spirit that comes directly off the kingdom and the throne of God. That's the spirit that we need for salvation. In verse 11, it says, And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And guess what? Verse 12, And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Can you imagine this? A fiery chariot of horses just came down, swooped up your buddy, right? Seen him no more. You rent your clothes because of the sorrow you had. You picked up his mantle, and now you're standing back at the bank of this river, and you know the question's got to be there. I wonder if I got it. Right? I mean, that's only human. I wonder if I got what I asked for. It says in verse 14, And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Who did he call on? He hit the ground. And he said, Where is the God of Elijah? God says, I'm right here. Amen. God says, I'm right here. You're my man now. And guess what? When he parted those waters and he walked back across, everybody that was standing there could tell. Is that the way you walk into a retail store? 
Is that the way you walk into a community, a school? Is that the way you walk? You walk in such a manner and carry the Spirit of God in such a way that people can tell. That's what I'm asking you today. Do you make a difference anywhere you go? Because the chance is there. But do you choose to make a godly difference everywhere you go? Got me to thinking, sitting at that hotel table in St. Charles, Missouri. I'm thinking, boy, when 600 followers of God leave here, this should be the happiest place there ever was, or Satan sure is going to be ticked, and there's going to be some things happen after we leave. It's easy to talk to other believers about God, and we should. But the ones that really need to hear it are the ones that probably don't want to talk about it. That's why you stand on the Spirit of God. He will give you the things to say. And Jeremiah, he said, I have touched your mouth and I have put my words there. Man, don't rely on your own ability. You ain't getting nowhere. But if you rely on God's ability and God's want to, you're going to go somewhere. You're going to be different. You're going to walk different. You're going to sound different. You're going to react to situations different. And it's time that the church started to be a little different. Let's be different this week. If you would please stand. If you don't know what kind of different I'm talking about, we're going to open up the altars here in just a second, or now, if you feel the Holy Spirit pulling on you now, you come now. If you have not accepted the Holy Spirit of God, today is the day we start walking different. Even if you have accepted God and you have not been the walking the way that you should be walking, today is the day that says, God, I'm sorry. I'm turning from all that mess. But today is the day, God, that I start walking with you and not against you. Today is the day, Lord, that I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going to stop holding on to that little bit of sin that I have in my life, and I'm going to run from it because I'm running towards your arms. Or maybe you've been here for a long time, and you haven't been feeling like you've been making a difference. Today is the day you start making a difference, guys. This world needs us to make it a little bit different. That lost and alone person out there needs you to say something because they're reaching out with everything they've got and they ain't heard it from nobody yet. They're reaching for it. They want it. Today's the day to start making a difference. The altars are open. Come pray today. Come, come ask God to put a desire back inside of you, a burning, that you would get after this world to make it different. The altars are open. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now. But now I see
got a hole secure.